Hello, Marvelites. You're listening to Marvel's Pull List for new Marvel Comics on sale September 28, 2022. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Jasmine Estrada. Yeah, look, I want to say our reading club later is one of my all-time favorite Marvel stories and is delightful because, Jasmine, this is the first time you read it. Yes, and I didn't know what to expect. Um, All I saw was that Chris Samney is going to be doing the art. And that we were going to talk to Ariana Mar, um, which was really exciting for me since we've both been a big fan of her work uh, lately. And uh, it was it's delightful. It's such a good book. We're going to be talking about Thor, the Mighty Avenger. We'll get into more about it later, but I'm so excited. Yeah, it's really good. But it's going to be a little while till we get there because this is the official Marvel podcast for Marvel Comics. We're going to tell you all about the brand new Marvel Comics available this week. Going to give our picks for our favorite books. We're going to give out awards for all the other books. We're going to tell you what collections are on sale, what's on Marvel Unlimited, including the issues that uh, just came out three months ago, which are now on the service, the new Infinity Comics and the backlist comics if there are any we'll get into all of those we gotta roll right on into the new comics this week and our picks first up i'm gonna go with amazing spider-man number 10 this is a hell of an issue it is a judgment day crossover an axe judgment day crossover in which um if you don't know if you've not been following along axe judgment day is the big summer fall crossover for marvel comics avengers x-men eternals lots of chaos and death and everyone on the planet is being judged by a celestial it's not going well for most people and so this is a way for spidey to get in on that We get to see a whole bunch of judgments in here. It is brought to us by writer Zeb Wells, art by Nick Dragota, colors by Marcio Meniz, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. I'm so excited to see Nick Dragota doing work for Marvel again. um, He's been doing a little bit here and there, but he's just, he's got such a unique style. I love his facial expressions, his body language. There's um, just something very natural and human about all that, but at the same time being kind of exaggerated and almost uh, manga-esque. It's, it's, he has mm-hmm. this way of balancing all those things so beautifully. Uh, but this is an issue in which, yes, Spider-Man is judged, in which J. Jonah Jameson maybe gets judged. Aunt May getting judged. <laughs> uh, yeah. Miles getting judged. There's so yeah. much judgment thrown around, y'all. You can't even handle it. All that said, the way the judgments are sort of perceived by characters is really fascinating. Uh, sometimes they they are the the celestial in big form, sometimes they come in in form that someone they know. It is fascinating and the as you will see on the cover for this issue, Gwen Stacy plays a part in this and the celestial comes kind of in the form of Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. All I will say is that I was reading this sitting outside on a bench in midtown Manhattan, waiting for my wife to come out of a doctor's appointment in tears, finish the issue, oh. just crying. Um, in, in, I was just, you know, it's one of those books that when it get you, it gets you immediately texted oh. the, uh, Nick Lowe, who is the editor here along with the, the rest of the editorial team, the assistant editors on this issue, Lindsay Kohick and Cade McGahey, uh, to just curse at them and tell them how dare they make me cry in public with this beautiful, beautiful, wonderful comic book. It's awesome. It's a one-off. You don't need to read Axe Judgment Day to get this Mm -hmm. issue. You don't need to read Spider-Man to get this issue. You can pick this up regardless of anything. But if you're reading any of those series, you're going to get even more out of it if you're a Spidey fan, even in the least. 
my decision. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, we have my first pick of the week, which is Defenders Beyond number three. Um, it's written by Al Ewing with art by Javier Rodriguez and lettered by VC's Joe Caramagna. This might be my favorite issue of this series. It's more of the same weird Al Ewing and Javier Rodriguez that we've been getting in Defenders. Um, but this time we have the Defenders facing off against the Phoenix. In the last issue, Taya got the Phoenix Force and the Defenders are thrown into the White Hot Room. Each member of the Defenders is kind of thrown into their own little pocket of the White Hot Room, and they are dealing with different uh, situations, but they're separate. The reason why I picked this as my pick of the week is because it is an issue that if you've been following the series along, you kind of know that Tigra was one of the wild cards in this book. Um, we, we've kind of seen how the Defenders have played together in the in the last uh, miniseries. But Tiger was a completely new addition to the team and very like underused in the first couple of issues, not in this issue. In this issue, we find out why Tiger was added to the team, what mm-hmm. her purpose is, and it does not disappoint. Um, not to mention the colors that Javier Rodriguez like adds to this. He gives it that vibe that I really love when it comes to Tiger stories. But the thing that I love the most is not only do we get a spotlight on Tiger, we also like... I love Marvel because there are some weird corners of Marvel and Tigris <laughs> history, pretty weird. But like the thing I love about the most about the weird corners of the Marvel universe is when we embrace it. Like we don't just try to write it off or try to like, you know, erase it. We stand by it. And one of my favorite scenes is when we get that moment um, with Tigra. And but like she embraces the fact that like she gets her powers from the cat people, that she is part cat people because cat people exist in the Marvel universe. Um, that's where her powers come from. And it's, I don't know, it's just one of those moments where you're like, oh yeah, she is badass. She can carry her own weight. And the thing that happens at the end of this uh, to fight the Phoenix Force is so badass. Um, If you've been following Al Ewing's uh, work, some of the stuff that he kind of worked on in the Mighty Avengers uh, way back when, when he had the Avengers team uh, led by Sam Wilson. And it's cool to see some of that being brought back in and not forgotten. Um, it ties into Tigra. It ties into some of the other characters that he's worked on. And it just keeps adding to the Marvel mythos, which I love. All right. Let us move on. Our third pick of the week is Miles Morales, Spider-Man number 42. We celebrate with a heavy heart because it is the final issue of this series, uh, of this run, and of Miles' story by writer Saladin Ahmed. Um, mm-hmm. Saladin is uh he's, he's wrapping it up here and he is joined by a bunch of his amazing artistic collaborators that have been with him over the past four-ish years carmen carnero paris eleni iguara paco medina and walden wong aletha e martinez natasha bustos and christopher allen one of the things i absolutely love about this it's mostly interpersonal like stories about miles and his supporting cast in his relationships, his family, his friends, you know, his his kind of girlfriend, his even like kind of foe, but also friend, mm-hmm. Rhino. Like the only real battle in here is a team up between uh, Miles, Starling and Rhino to break up a place where kids are being um, uh, like captured and, and used in nefarious ways by a, a, a bad guy. Um, and you have all these pieces and the the great thing that Saladin does is ties them to threads he's been, you know, weaving and leaving for the last four mm-hmm. years. You're you're getting pieces like the Rhino connection 
comes it, it's something that we've seen before in the series and and how they are kind of like cool together uh the villain who shows up there miles's principal yeah the, the stuff with miles's principal but like the extremely traumatic events that miles went through like two years ago with uh, you know that set up the clone stuff and and like there's all these different threads his his uncle that saladin has masterfully been putting together and he's like tying this up tying this up tying this mm-hmm. up and putting together a nice capper to a really great run on a character and leaving it in great hands like it takes a character and sometimes you know i've heard writers talk about okay you come on a character and and then you want to leave the character where they were at the beginning and sometimes mm-hmm. that's important sometimes that works sometimes that's not the way it should be and i think miles is in a different place and a better place uh he's mm-hmm. gone through growth and developed and is a stronger character with a stronger stable of supporting characters around him relationships all these things because of these last 4 years you know we, we we've got a brother for him and a sister for him um all his uncles back there's a great scene with shift miles and Uncle Aaron sitting and just like having brunch together. One of my favorite scenes this week. It's just so good. The dialogue is so spot on. The body language, the smiles. That's a Paco Medina page. And it's just, there's just a vibe to it that it's so warm and inviting. And it's it's so- the same kind of vibe that you would get with like when you're with your group of like close friends. Where you yeah. can kind of joke and like rib at each other. But like, I don't know, like if they feel like friends, like they feel real to me. Yeah. Um, or I believe it's the Natasha Bustos pages in which uh, oh. it, it's the is Miles and Starling trying to go out on a date and the dress that Natasha gorgeous. De- designs for Starling is absolutely stunning. It's so good. And and Miles's suit. He's got this extra special suit. It looks so cool. The little things that come in here throughout all this. Um, if you are at all a Miles Morales fan. I think you owe it to yourself, even if you haven't been catching, you know, haven't been reading the last 41 issues plus, it's a great way to like see where Miles is right now. And if you have mm-hmm. been reading along, I think you'll I hope that you'll you'll be really happy with where the character is and excited because come December we're getting a brand new Miles Morales series with friend of the show writer Cody Ziegler. Uh, he's coming on to write it alongside amazing artist Federico Vicentini. So that's a nice nuts. new push. Yeah. Also, before we, we we dive into the rest of the books, I want to quickly mention in front of the show, Torrin Clark's covers. I'm going to miss like his covers oh, yeah. have been gorgeous. And this one is probably one of my favorites that he's done on Miles because it is a stack of or not stack, but it's just like a bunch of tarot cards. They're kind of spread out and each of the characters are portrayed in the cards in the different styles of you know the tarot uh faces and the cool thing about it is it's not just like a one-off it 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 is the thing that frames this entire book together which i really really liked um each little chapter is another card or another theme uh based on one of the cards and like the design the way that they're implemented in the page the way that they set up the the tone of each story is just awesome it's such a great single issue yeah also i love that we've got the massive cosmic multiversal scope of defenders beyond to the Mm -hmm. ground level personal felt vibes of miles morales spider-man and both are freaking terrific all right that's all we have for our picks of the week this week um before we dive into the new award name we got to talk about last week's award 
the Get In Losers We're Going to Therapy Award, we have a winner. Yes. Um, and the quote comes from Exterminators number one, which, come on, I mean, you had to guess it. Ugh. We had Leah Williams yes. on the show. Exterminators um, was one of our picks of the week. And it was easy to go to that book, but difficult to pin down one quote. But we Oh, did. we had so many. We had so many. But the first person to send us the quote came in at 7.43 a.m. The day books came out. Uh, came from <laughs> Came in from Shanita Peterson, who simply said, incredible, in their Oof. email. Uh, so thank you for winning that one, Shanita. But uh, we also got one uh, as we were starting to record from Abby Frey from New Jersey, who said, found the quote in this week's Exterminators. This is perhaps the most excited I have ever been for a comic to come out, and it has not disappointed. Immediately knew I would find the quote here, uh, which is, you know, we aim to please. Also, Tech Lord at Lex Pendragon, we see you. I see you uh, tweeting about the show. We appreciate you. Uh, and you may find the quotes late, but you find them. And we, we like yeah, that. Yeah, still find uh, them. Got to play the game which we appreciate everybody who does. And last week, uh, I guess, you know, look, my accent, uh, whatever remnants of it, Long Island, New York come through. I said backlist comics, not backless comics, uh, <laughs> which backlist is a term for the older issues that we are filling into fill the holes in Marvel Unlimited or uh, in whatever service we're providing. So the backlist comics. All right, that is last week's award. That was the Get In Losers We're Going to Therapy Award. That was an Exterminator's number one. Ryan, are you ready for this week's award name? I sure am. All right, we're going to be giving out the Can a Hammer Fire a Gun Award? It's an important question, and uh, we is hope it? you all ponder it and look for it in your comics this week, because if you find this quote, screen cap it and tweet it to at Agent M and at Jasmiest with hashtag Marvel's pull list or email us at pull list at Marvel.com. If you're among the first, uh, watch your replies and your emails and your DMs and all that stuff. Maybe I'll send you something fun. You want to kick us off? Yes, I do. Uh, so last week we mentioned, you know, as we're, we're rolling into we're getting toward the end of Axe Judgment Day. Well, there are some key issues coming out, and one of them is this week, Axe Avengers, number one. Uh, these are all written by Kieran Gillen. There's the Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals issues, uh, and this one drawn by the artist we just mentioned, Federico Vicentini. So it's a big friggin' deal. You get to see a lot of uh, big moments throughout this as the Avengers are trying to they're, they're trying to stop the Celestial as best as they can, the progenitor, and it's messing with their heads like hardcore. But I want to give my Kenna Hammer Fire a Gun Award to just the team shot right at the end. Federico um, draws a rad squad. It's Avengers, X-Men, and Eternals together. They're like figuring out what to do, and it's we're going to save everyone. That feeling of like the music swells, your heroes are ready for the final charge. It, it was great. All right, next up we have Ant-Man number three. And I talked about it at the top of the show when I was talking about Defenders. Uh, but Al Ewing does such a great job weaving all of these like little beats from his previous work. Some of that is included in this issue where he brings back Hank Pym, um, who is morphed, who has become one with Ultron. It's creepy, but if you wanted to know what happened to him or where what they do or what the Avengers do after they locked him up, uh, this is what this book is. Uh, we have Scott Lang, who's taking over. 
uh, that job in particular, but I want to give my Can a Hammer Fire a Gun Award to a particular moment um, because in this mission, Scott is going to have to deliver Ultron to a safer location. But in order to do that, he has to meet up with Iron Man and he decides to bring his daughter along, Stinger. And in that moment, Iron Man essentially says that Stinger is an Avenger and she just like glows because she's like, oh my God, did Iron Man just call me an Avenger? And it's such a sweet moment, but he even like backs it up. He's not like, oh no, I didn't mean that. But he says it like very much like, you know, Avengers, once an Avenger, always an Avenger. And I love that. Such a sweet interaction. All right. Up next is Captain America, symbol of truth number five. I absolutely love the series. I just like seeing Sam Wilson getting into situations, putting his dukes up, getting into to some chaos and bad stuff with good people because in this issue he has a fight with t'challa but t'challa's all black panthered up sam is not he's he's just Mm -mm. dude he's in a sweatshirt and some dungarees and he is going toe-to-toe with t'challa that's where i'm going to give my can a hammer fire a gun award to sam wilson who can do this all damn day that was uh that was a fist pump moment for me for sure All right, next up, we have damage control number two. And in this issue, we have, uh, we're following the same character as they go from one job to another job. In this job, they are now in charge of pre-screening consumer affair reports. Um, And I'm going to give my Can A Hammer Fire Gun Award to all the scammers in this book because they're reporting all these situations that have happened. But my favorite one is by an elder lady who claims that her flirkin, not her cat, her flirkin (laughs) ate her husband. Um, and also her penthouse apartment. And she is going to damage control, hoping that to get compensated. But I love a good scam. So I respect it. Right on. All right. Fortnite Marvel Zero Hour number five is out this week. This is the final issue of this limited series. And it it brings it all to a big titanic conclusion it really is you know we, we do a lot of hyperbole when we have our press releases or any anytime we're promoting stuff at marvel but this is that like giant slug fest there's a massive uh combiner robot in here there's s- huge stakes for the multiverse there's death there's rebirth there's uh sacrifices there's eye patches there's all kinds of stuff i'm going to give my ken a hammer fire a gun award though to the post battle conversations which i love mm. christos doing some really great work with spider-man having a conversation with the fortnite character jones or iron man just trying to get armor bros over with one of the other characters it was terrific all right next up we have gambit number three and i feel like i've given the award to this book um for the past two issues and this is the third issue and I, i'm pretty sure i keep giving it to the badass women in this book because there is Yes, it is a Gambit book, but there are so many other characters in this book, too, that just get a spotlight and do some amazing stuff. And in this issue, we get Marissa working with Gambit. And the thing I'm going to give my Ken a Hammerfire Gun Award to is her wearing Gambit's, like, 90s armor is so badass. Like, she looks, she pulls it off amazingly. But also, learning that it's, that it's armor and can, like, protect from a gunshot, like... It, it was one of those like mind blowing moments where you're like, oh, that's what why it looks so ridiculous and like over the top. It's it's armor. It's not just, you know, a costume. And it was really cool. It's like, I don't know, you get to learn that 
it's practical. All right, on to Genus Vell, Captain Marvel number three. Uh, we've got multiple time time frames in this series. You've got uh, Genus Vell, aka uh, one of the um, Captain Marvels. He's flipping in and out of his reality. He's trying to figure out where he is. You've got Rick Jones, all kinds of stuff. Um, I will give my kind of hammer fire a gun award to a great panel of Philavel slapping the crap out of Rick Jones at one point. Hell yeah. Basically, Rick makes a decision and he's like, well, maybe. And before he has a chance to talk, she just smacks him across the face. All right, next up, we have Marvel Voices Comunidades number one. Um, I'm going to give a couple different awards here because there's so many amazing stories in this book. I'm going to give my Can I Hammer Fire Gun Award to Hector Navarro, who is a friend of the show, who writes the introduction to this book. Um, it's it's a beautiful uh, introduction. It really, really sets the tone for the rest of this book. The next award I'm going to give to is for a short story written by Edgar Delgado with art by Luis Morocho. Um, called Music to My Ears. It is a Miles Morales story that involves music. Um, and in particular, it involves his mom's uh, salsa music, which I find very awesome. It resonated with me. Like the short story resonated with me um, as a child of immigrants who was embarrassed whenever my dad would drop me off at school because he would be playing all this like Mexican, you know, Spanish music, blasting it through his car speakers. Um, I would ask my dad to drop me off like a block away because I didn't want my friends to see that. So to see this story and in, in, in hearing and like reading how it's a strength is really, really cool. There's two more. I want to give one real quick to another short story, which is Namor versus Shark Girl in Shark Girl's Day Off. But the final award I'm going to give is for a short story called Secret Saver that's written by Alex Aguro with art by Roque Antonio and colors by Israel Silva. They all co-create a new character that is introduced in the short story, which is really cool. It's a white tiger story, but we get introduced to a new Latinx character named Chimera. Um, there's a mystery there. We don't really know who she is or where she came from, but She's tied to the white tiger in some way, and I'm very interested to see where it goes next. Let's move on to Shang-Chi and the Ten Rings number three. Um, digging the crap out of this. You got Shang-Chi just trying to get his rings back. He's been taken by British secret government forces. There's weird eldritch powers and a lot of mysteries and stuff like that. But I want to give my Kenna Hammer Fire a Gun award to them bringing in the character of Tink. Uh, Tink is, uh, AKA Tigabalinos Hardleg, AKA a fairy from Otherworld who was first, uh, introduced in the Marvel Max series Wisdom, uh, back in the mid two thousands, which I remember really digging. And then that turned into, um, Captain Britain and the MI 13 and stuff. And so see this mm -hmm. character, like seeing her show up again was rad. Uh, it was, it was really cool. Fun way to bring her in. She's very spicy. I want more of her cool. in the Marvel universe. All right. Next up we have star Wars, Dr. Aphra number 24. And I'm going to give my can a hammer fire a gun award to a character that we meet at the beginning of this book who Dr. Afra describes as a flying Chadra fan in ascendant robes because it is a weird design. And I love when we get to meet weird characters in the Star Wars universe. All right, we have another Star Wars issue this week. It's Star Wars Han Solo and Chewbacca number six. And there's all kinds of stuff in here. There's um, not a ton of Han Solo, but there is plenty of Chewbacca. And I'm going to give my kind of hammer fire a gun award 
to all the scenes in which Chewbacca is there alongside Maz Kanata. Um, we know there's a little bit of history between them and actually seeing some of that history here is pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have story number 27. And this is an issue that is co-written by Donny Kate and Al Ewing. We are fresh off of Banner of War and we go right into it. Having another Donny Kate's character being brought into this world, we get Venom. It almost feels like when you're reading this book that like Donny Cates is borrowing uh, Al Ewing's Venom for a little bit. And then he's like, can I just borrow him? Like, can I just plop him from your story, bring him over here and then have him play in my sandbox? And it's it's great. It's a great little story. Um, I don't want to give too much away because it is, you know, we get Donnie writing Venom again, which is awesome. And for that, I'm going to give him my can a Hammerfire Gun Award. Yeah. Thunderbolts number two is out this week. And this book is just fun. It's just straight up. It is a fun book. It's got funny moments. It's got funny situations. It's got it's light. Um, there are, of course, stakes and drama to it, but it it is something I I think we we sometimes miss across comics, and it's just like a good solid superhero book that makes you smile, has mm-hmm. uh, some just fun moments. The cover of this issue has word balloons on it, which one that is a big plus. Then two, you have Hawkeye pointing at the new character Egro, the Unbreakable, and he's pointing. He's like, "Who is that?" And Persuasion says it literally says his name right in that caption and with Power Man <laughs> saying, come on, Clint, like that breaking the fourth wall business on the cover. It's a vibe that carries over into the comic. Doesn't break the fourth wall. Don't worry about that. But it it just there is a lightness to this book that yeah, I, it's a tone. I really welcomed uh, throughout all of it. Um, so I'm going to give my can a hammer fire a gun to uh, the new character, Egro, the unbreakable, who is great fun design uh his like his motivations his situation his size his presence everything about him i can't wait for more next up we have wild cards drawing of the cards number three um i really 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 dig this series i am brand new to this whole world by george rr R. martin and howard waldrop and the thing i like about it is that it's yes it's, a, it's another another universe full of superheroes but we focus in on the normal human beings in this in this world and like what's happening to them and yeah there might be superpowers involved but it's it's really fun to kind of be on ground zero and really learn as our characters are learning what's going on so i'm going to give my can i hammer fire a gun to this world building and the characters that we've met in the past three issues it's such a fun series indeed All right, final issue of the week and one that was very nearly one of our picks of the week. And looking at it now, I'm like, this definitely we should have had another one because this one is so good. It is X-Men number 15, written by Jerry Duggan, art by your boy, Joshua Kassara. What up, y'all? So good to see Josh back. I'm straight up giving my kind of hammer fire gun award to Joshua Kassara and Guru EFX, the artist colorist team here bang up job there are moments in here which are just like two characters having a drink in the snow gorgeous very like stylish there's pages of death and destruction and the worst case scenario of things gone wrong horrifying but it looks so beautiful there are um just josh's facial expressions and and character designs there's a ton of designs and different things in here there's a thing that is done my sweet boy Caliban in this issue. I know. <laughs> I was like, you monsters, you 
horrible, horrible people. Oh. Caliban has been abused, manipulated. He's been turned into a, a, a horseman of apocalypse. He's ju- let him live his life. I, I also thought this was an issue of X-Force because it opens with Forge and it's drawn by Josh. And I was like, wait, am I reading X-Force or X-Men this week? And I just, it was, it was great. Uh, but it is X-Men. So you're getting Forge, you're getting Josh on X-Men. Pew, 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 pew. You gave it to Joshua Kassar. I'm going to give my kind of hammer fire gun award to Jerry Duggan because this whole book feels very matrixy. And he even talks about the theory of living in a uh, simulation. He makes a steak joke from the matrix. Yes. Yes. And after reading this issue, it sent me down an entire rabbit hole of like the theory of living in a simulation. And it was just, it is wild. It's a wild time. A lot of good books though. Great week for comics. Jasmine, uh, can you give us some highlights of the collections on sale this week? Yes, there are so many collections coming out, including Avengers by Jason Aaron, Volume 10, The Death Hunters. We have Moon Knight, Volume 2, Too Tough to Die, Strange, Volume 1, I Belong to Death. And for all you Werewolf by Night fans and new fans, The Masterworks Volume 1 is also dropping. Over on Marvel Unlimited, lots to talk about the Infinity Comics. We've got new issues of X-Men Unlimited, Avengers Unlimited, Spider-Verse Unlimited, Marvel's Voices, Love Unlimited, and Ziggy Pig and Silly Seal. So plenty to read from your subscription, as well as a whole bunch of stuff added to Marvel Unlimited that came out just about three months ago, including Immortal X-Men number three, Marvel's Voices Pride, and Punisher War Journal Blitz. Um, Some really great issues that uh, if you haven't read them already, time to read them. Also, this week is uh, really something fun. Now that the final issue is out, all issues, all five issues of Fortnite, Marvel, Zero War are in Marvel Unlimited as of Ooh. as of this Wednesday. So the 28th, you can read them all, check them out. And so the cool thing is now that these five issues are on Marvel Unlimited, every paid Marvel Unlimited subscriber with a registered Marvel.com email account to read all five issues in MU through October 27, 2022, will receive an email with a code for all five previously released in-game cosmetics, as well as a sixth in-game cosmetic item. So uh, if you missed out on the print issues when they were being released, boom, you can get those cosmetics plus read it you can get an extra one here only through marvel unlimited these codes are available while supplies last so read them asap if you play fortnite get a spider-man zero outfit stark seven wrap uh adamantium claw pickaxe pretty dope i'm really curious to see what this bonus outfit looks like though stay tuned true believer all right that is it for all of the new comics coming uh this week including infinity comics and uh the mu app but now we're going to go on to our reading club with Ariana Mar. We're going to be talking about Thor, the Mighty Avenger, which is an eight issue uh, miniseries from 2010. Came out right before Marvel Studios Thor, which is wild to me. But it is such an adorable book. I love this so much. I'm so happy that we're, that this was brought to us because this is the first time that I'm reading this book. And uh, it's such a treasure. All right, Jasmine, it is time to get into one of my all-time favorite Marvel comics. And to do that, we are joined by Ariana Mar, who is one of the letterers for Virtual Calligraphy. Hello, Ariana. Hi. Nice to meet you. You too. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. Ryan and I are huge fans. 
Uh, every time we see your credit in our comics uh, during the weekly stuff, we get really excited. You've just been killing it lately. Thank you so much. It's been super exciting, you know, just getting to work on Marvel comics and all the comics I got to grow up with. It's been a dream come true. Does the dream also include working with the nightmare that is Chris Eliopoulos? (laughs) (laughs) He is so cool. (laughs) He's kind of like... How much is he paying you to say that? Um, Enough. He's paying me enough. (laughs) He introduced me to uh, Joe Caramanga, who who just introduced me on like the whole Marvel method of lettering and everything. And every step of the way, whenever I needed something, Chris was there for me. So Uh, the reason why we bring up these names are because they're a part of your team. They're a part of the virtual calligraphy team. Can you tell us about what that is? It's it's basically a studio that, you know, as a group, we work with Marvel and uh, it makes organization of things a lot easier. You know, there's there's no hierarchy or um, or office um, atmosphere to have to maintain. We just have like a group chat that we use to coordinate with each other or, you know, to talk about things or to like say if a character like a Venom appeared in one book, but then he appears in a book I'm lettering and I've never lettered Venom before, I can reach out to one of the guys like Clayton and be like, what's the style for this? And they would share the resources with me. And that way we can keep all of the lettering on the Marvel books pretty much consistent. But I, I don't want to talk too much about those those ding dongs, Joe and, and Chris, <laughs> who are my friends and I can call them ding dongs <laughs> happily. Uh, but uh, I want to learn a little bit more about you. What was your, your history with comics? Did you grow up? Did you have a comic shop? Did you start reading when you were a kid? What was your history with oh, comics? Gosh, um, I was like most kids of my generation. You, you get introduced to like X-Men through the animated series and stuff. And um, I, I really enjoyed just the whole idea of mutants and stuff like that. And then one day I was at, a price club, which back in the ancient days is like an equivalent to a Costco. So, and um, it just had this big line of books for cheap. And it included these like plastic wrap packages of like pretty much a lot of the latest comics out. And they just had a package of like all these Marvel comics out. So it's Silver Surfer, Avengers. And then right there at the top was Uncanny X-Men 303 which was the death of Ileana Rasputin. So here you have Jubilee and uh, Jean Grey in their iconic outfits and Jubilee's crying in her arms. And I'm like, what is going on? Who's Ileana? What's happening? And I begged my mom for that. And she got me the whole package. And I like, I, I, the first comic I read was that one. And I got hooked on X-Men. And when I related that story to the VC guys, I think it was Clayton who pointed out, it's like, Chris, didn't you letter that issue? <laughs> I was just going to look because I'm, I'm like pretty sure Chris lettered that issue back oh, in yeah. you know, the he 1920s did, or whatever it was. did such a good job on that issue. But um, yeah. that, that got me hooked on comics. And then soon after that, there was stuff like Age of Apocalypse. I would save up. My parents would give me like five bucks uh, every Wednesday on a trip to a grocery store. And then we go to the local comic book store and I'd count up how much money, how much change I had from the previous week 
that had built up and combine that with the $5 to see how many issues of the Age of Apocalypse run I could like get. And it's just, just, I wanted to read Generation Next. I wanted to read, you know, all, all of the, all of the stuff. And it was just, it was so good. Uh, one of the things you mentioned was from Joe and Chris teaching you about the Marvel method of lettering. Can you mm -hmm. go into that a little bit more? Yeah. When I started in 2020, um, Joe took me under his wing um, to show me how Marvel does things. And uh, they don't do things too differently than how I did before as a letterer, but they did it better. They taught me different tools that you can use within Illustrator, such as, you know, Illustrator actions, which are things you can program into uh, as repeatable actions within the Illustrator program. So things that would take me five minutes to do, I could do in 30 seconds because, you know, it would, I, I would just press the button and it would go. And uh, so they just handed me those actions. And from there, I learned to build some more actions of my own to make my work more efficient. They introduced me to Chris's design of font suite, which is what you see in Marvel comics. And, um, for about an issue or two there, uh, I think it was the Empire series, Captain America. Uh, Joe had me letter that, and then he would review my pages and give me feedback. And he says, well, we do things this way in this, and we do things that way in that. Like, there's a certain way you stack balloons. Some stack over and some stack under when two characters are speaking and the two balloons are, like, stacked on top of each other. And so Marvel does one way. And other publishers do another way. And, and it's just all those itty bitty details that no one else would notice. Um, Joe would point out to me because letterers know that notice that kind of thing. And so I just did my best to study from how he did it. And then I think the first series I just like the first story, I just sat down and lettered from cover to cover without like any strings, no review or anything was Excalibur 11. Corey handed me the series because he's like, well, you know, you, you don't have a series of your own and, you know, we're sharing out the workload. So here you can you can take over Excalibur. And I'm like, oh, hey, it's all my favorite characters. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, the Corey you mentioned is Corey Pettit, I assume. Yeah, yes, yes. And Corey's an absolute. Corey handed me two of the X-Men books that uh, he was initially slated to, to work on and they became the absolute best experiences for me. One was the Scalibur and the other was Hellions. And I wasn't sure how to take Hellions at first because none of these were my favorite characters. And after like a few issues, I'm like, oh no, this is my favorite book. <laughs> you also mentioned Chris's suite of fonts. And I want to sort of explain that to, to fans and listeners who to further understand that it's not like you guys are just going, okay, give me, I'm going to use Wingdings and Helvetica and <laughs> Comic Sans and we're good to go. We just got to put the words together. There's a, a huge process and a giant library that your team has built. Yeah. Yeah. When I came in and I was told, it's like, well, we have to use the VC fonts for the Marvel comics. And I had already built up a huge library from licenses I had purchased as a freelancer from other font forges. There's only a handful of them and they create fonts that are specific for comics that are very different than your usual font that you would just find anywhere. And you'd also have to buy the license if you're going to work with them professionally. So I have that library and I'm like, Oh, I can't use this. 
I, use, I can continue to use this for like my non-Marvel stuff, but I can't use it for Marvel. And they handed me all these fonts and I'm like, wow, that's a wide variety of stuff I can use. That's, that's just so cool. As someone who loves like different fonts, like I'll spend hours on like different like font forges and like just not, I mean, not <laughs> ones where I have to buy the license, but like just get three different fonts and like play around <laughs> with them. And like, sometimes it gets to the point where like, I'll be scrolling through and like, like I'll be using like word or something <laughs> and I'll just be scrolling through hundreds and thousands of fonts. I'm like, why did I download all of these? Like, yeah, you have to use like a font organizer to keep good track, especially yeah. when you're like, what's, what are the fonts I can use? What are the ones I can't use? And so on and so forth. I believe my favorite, it. My favorite font, I think is, um, there's a font called thwip and we use it for spider-man's thwip sound effect and i just love using that font (laughs) to a ridiculous degree (laughs) fabulous okay let's get into our reading club selection because we are talking about thor the mighty avenger a uh, absolutely terrific series that came out in 2010 to 2011 um it is uh one of my all-time favorites and Ariana, please tell us, why did you choose this one? Because it is my all-time favorite, for sure. Out of any book I've never worked on, this is my number one. Um, because 2010-2011 uh, was the time where I was learning lettering from scratch. And I was enjoying it just for like the fun of doing it. But it was reading for the Mighty Avenger that everything I had learned so far about lettering, like got turned on its head. Russ Wooten does like, he, he letters this issue or this series. And he does things that I didn't know you could do with lettering. And he translates it into a style that definitely affected me. But I mean, that was only one aspect of why I love this series. Like it, it was one of those comics you pick up and you could see the writer, the artist, the colorist, the letterer and the editor all working together. You could see the collaboration there. You could see everything just coming together into a perfect whole. And like, you never really know what the background process is for a lot of people and like what goes into a comic unless you're working there. And, um, but seeing it from the outside in, I'm like, wow, this feels like a nice full whole experience. Like I'm not just reading a good comic. I'm reading someone's good experience making a comic. And um, Mm. that inspired me to become a letterer, like not just learn about lettering, not just do it for fun, but like be a letterer. We'll dive into into this book in a second. But like you you said something that really like I want to kind of expand on a little bit. Um, You talked about Russ Wooten's uh, like lettering style in this book and how he he kind of flipped all the stuff that you knew about or thought you Mm -hmm. knew about lettering on his head. What do you mean by that? Like, what what was something that just like you were like, wait, what? Like, can, can you give us some examples? There are some things in this book that are technically challenging for a letter that I cannot imitate easily. Um, for example, he does this thing called we we nickname it the Workman style because John Workman, who's um, a famous letter, he you know he's done a lot of Marvel stuff. He's done Thor and. He continues to work, but he has this particular way of taking the balloon and when it butts up against the panel border, instead of hitting the gutter line, it goes right over and bleeds into the gutter, which is the line, the white space between the panels. And having that bleed between the gutters is really cool, but digitally can be tricky because 
you have to know what the colorist is doing. Because if the colorist puts a slightly off-white or different color into the gutters, then all of this doesn't work. <laughs> like you'll see, you'll see the lines. This is the first time I've ever read this this series. Like, so I this was completely new to me. I absolutely adored it. Like I told Ryan before we jumped on, like, did I go and buy the, the complete collection like almost immediately after finishing this? Yes. I walked over to my comic shop and made sure they had it, bought it, because I, I needed it in my collection because I love this book. Thor the Mighty Avenger is a modern retelling of Thor's origin story. In it, Thor is banished from Asgard by his father, but he has trouble remembering why. He's forced to live in Midgar, aka Earth, and throughout the series, Thor encounters fellow Avengers like Ant-Man, Wasp, Iron Man. He faces villains like Mr. Hyde and Fing Fang Boom, and he even falls in love with Dr. Jane Foster. It's secretly like a, a love story, but like a romance comic. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like reading those young romance comics from like the 1940s or whatever, like mm -hmm. after they had the whole... Um, think of the children panic and decided to like take out all the violence from comics. It's like, oh, we'll mm -hmm. make ro romance comics. And then that died out. And I'm like, wait, romance comics are I fun. I love romance. Yeah. And this one, when it has its romantic beats, it's like, gosh, this is so genuine. Oh. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like just cute and just like, I don't know, like you get butterflies reading certain scenes. And I think that the lettering style actually helps a lot with that because it creates that intimate feeling while you're reading and I don't know like that stood out to me the most so I'm really glad that you brought that up it, it brings your face closer to the page or the screen if you're reading it on unlimited it just brings you closer to it and as a result you end up seeing the details and the details in Samney's art like he looks simple from a distance but in the close-up you see all these little like every line seems very carefully thought out and placed. Even the little character mm -hmm. expressions in the background are just absolutely hilarious to me because he manages to put really fun comedy beat beats if you look closely into it. Like Jane in the background looking confused yes. or something. It's just two dots and like a third dot for her mouth and you're just like cracking up because it looks so funny. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about because I <laughs> screenshotted it and I was like... It looks like he just drew like a smiley face on like like a, like a fully formed figure, but like mm -hmm. really, it's so detailed and like it's just the, the perfect smirk almost. Mm -hmm. Also, when you're first introduced to Thor, there's this panel where he looks just absolutely angry because he's trying to break into the museum and everything, and then Jane tells him to stop and quit it, and he looks at her and he just smiles. He's just it goes from mm -hmm. angry to like the sweetest smile, and you're like. Okay, I'm in love with this book now. So good. Chris is an incredible illustrator, storyteller. I, I adore him. One of the sweetest people. We're talking about Chris. Let's talk about the, the full creative team written by writer uh, Roger Langridge, art by Chris Samney, colors by Matthew Wilson, letters by VCs Russ Wooten. Um, yeah, so it's a great dynamite team. And Chris is just the best. It It's like, in my mind, they're, like, all the best, some of the best of the best in the industry. Like, Langridge is amazing at um, creating these character moments and building up a story where everything feels very cohesive. And he puts in these little details in the uh, book that makes everything far more human. And he just makes it really fun. People would dismiss the series when it first came out. It's like, oh, it's an all ages Thor, whatever. Yeah. Like, oh, no, you have no idea. It's all ages because everyone's going to enjoy this. There's 
like one detail did you notice towards the end the second to last storyline with tony stark there's these two evil scientists and a scientist and his assistant yeah. and one is called hollywell and the other is called meeker and i was like oh my gosh it's honeydew and beaker from muppets yes <laughs> and roger would go on to write a muppets comic a couple years later well he did it before i thought he did it before this i i thought I it thought was after the, but it, the muppet show he, he might have done, have he did all of this like around the same time. So it yeah. might have been concurrently, but I thought that was such a cute detail. Or the fact, my absolute favorite issue of this whole series was issue number four. And that's when the Warriors three come to go to the bar oh. with them. And it's the cover where um, Volstag is giving Thor that great big hug. And it's like my absolute favorite cover. But one detail in this issue is that... Um, the barmate for Captain Britain is like drinking in the bar with their with their friend, and she's like, "Oh, where where'd he go?" It's like, "Oh, you know, he, <laughs> he's Captain Britain after all." And it's like, "He's Captain Britain." It's like, "Yeah, everyone knows, but like, he's really difficult. He he really has a hard time keeping that secret. Like, everyone can figure it out, but we just kind of humor him." <laughs> that is that was my favorite scene. Like, I was cracking up when I read that when the series got tied up and everyone was kind of like in mourning of it because it was it only ran for um seven issues and then had an eight later there was a small little thing on an old website called comics alliance it was like a kind of comics news site and they were doing fan work and i didn't have anything i could really provide as a fan artist but i did do a fan edit of panels from that issue and I replaced the lettering with the lyrics for the spam skit in Monty Python. You know, the Vikings in the spam. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I put that all together as like a fan tribute to that. And years later, the editor for this um, series, uh, Nate Cosby, he was reviewing my work to hire me as a letterer for Nancy Drew over for another publisher. And, uh, he recognized me from that. <laughs> 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 it's like, oh, yeah, I was that geek. Nate was very passionate about this when he worked at Marvel, um, which we I, we all were. It was, you mentioned, you know, the, it being an all ages comic. I think the that was partially what killed it because people looked at it as it doesn't count. It's not part of the continuity. It's da, 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 whatever reason. Someone had to Honestly, not try to get it. Read this whole universe. If if they went on to do each character in the Marvel universe, like just build that up, I would have read all of it because they made me fall in love with Thor. Because I love Thor comics, and like to me, it's just one of those very accessible Thor comics. It's it's hard to get into Thor sometimes because there is so much mythology, and this really just boils it down to like at his core who he is. And oh, I yeah. adore this comic. It's, it's both like a really great introduction to Thor, but also like a really great introduction to comics. Like if yeah. anyone is opening up the like Marvel Unlimited app for the first time and they wanted to know what's the first comic I should dive into, it's Thor the Mighty Avenger. We talked about Hollowell and, and Meeker, but the issue I think right before that's the first time Thor like manages to get back to Asgard uh, once he learns how to use his, how to use Mjolnir to teleport. And we get one of the coolest designs that I think I've ever seen for Heimdall. Like, I was like, this is the coolest Heimdall I've ever seen. Like, he just looked very different and much more like, I don't know, like 
before it's it, like he always looks way too decked out in like armor and this was just like very simple very clean and just felt very like yeah like a real person almost too much of a, of a like yeah a mythological gatekeeper as opposed to like an actual person that knows mm-hmm. the work. and the Hemdall that that issue was really great because I was excited to see that because up until that point Hemdall was depicted a certain way but this was just as the f- first movie I think was coming yeah. out and so I think Idris Elba was uh was already casted for that role. So they just based it kind of like that. And he just seemed much more of a human than how he was depicted before as like this kind of monolith. And um, getting to see him relate to Thor of him just basically kind of like, he kind of acted like how I am with our cat because he's a four month old kitten and he's a sweetheart, but in the mornings, he's very active and he wants to play and I have to do my work. So like, here I am picking him out and up and taking him outside the studio. And it's kind of like Hemdall with Thor. He's trying to like pick him up, send him back to Earth. It's like, no, can't do this. <laughs> Thor really is like a kitten. Yeah, he, he's like, like a really angry kitten. And really like the way he throws his tantrums in this book, even Jane calls them tantrums. Just like, mm-hmm. it's like this really upset kitten is like, I don't understand why I'm on earth. This is unfair. Dad. <laughs> this is so silly. He's like, you don't remember what you did? It's like, what did I do? And it's like, well, <laughs> I'm supposed to tell you. I'm <laughs> but he grows and becomes not this not this like fully actualized person, but like he becomes this guy that almost inherently like kind of himbo in a sense being like, I'm not fully aware of what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing is for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. Like um, at one point the whole town turns against him because they blame him for something that wasn't his fault. And um, he sees that the, the crops have become parched and, um, the town is suffering for it and and he's just like and everyone's upset and he's like well I'll show you the power of Odin's son and and he creates thunders and lightnings and Jane's like oh no I thought he was done with these tantrums and it turns out he wasn't having a tantrum he was bringing rain to the fields so that their crops would be saved so cool and I think it was like Tony Stark who was like oh so you're doing that to get on the town side he's like no I, I thought it needed rain mm-hmm. <laughs> And it shows that like he's he's much more of an instinctive guy and he's working out these emotions in ways he hasn't had to before. Like it's basically Thor and his journey of emotional regulation. (laughs) (laughs) You were talking about the some of the designs. Uh, One of the things that I I loved, it's a very simple thing, is Thor's braid. I don't know if either of you picked up mm-hmm. on that Thor just having this oh, single yeah, braid in the yeah. back of his head and it's a little design thing but it it just it it looks cool practical he's gorgeous in this book um and like all the outfit changes the subtle little things when he's cooking for Jane uh when he's going for clothing and like his reactions to getting clothing Jane's various outfits there's just there's such a a very clear design sense for every character in every scene and it's it's so well done and i was looking for it because i was looking for it but as a reader it's something that draws you in without distracting you in, in all the best ways yeah like how thor's hairstyle is kind of has that look to it like he didn't put much thought into it but 
he is going to at least braid it because he knows how to braid. And Mm -hmm. his whole outfit has this whole look of like, what would Thor look good in? And it's like, obviously just a simple black t-shirt. Yes. (laughs) It's like very simple and clean, but like he's got, you know, muscles. Yeah. He doesn't really else. I also love their design for uh, Namor. Uh, they always, yes. Namor's always designed in like this big muscular, like buff dude. And like he's muscular, but he's like much more of this like lean guy that's like, you know, you can tell that like he's constantly, he's got like swimmer's body basically. Like he's constantly moving and stuff. And he's, he's not really bulking up for muscles. He's, just all lean muscle to get fast where he has to go. And I, I thought that was a cool design. And we keep talking about all the different characters and, and villains. We mentioned Captain Britain who makes an appearance. Iron Man makes an appearance. Um, we have Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, which is one of my favorite stories. I thought that there's like one panel in particular in that story is where it's them in like the foreground, but you see only the back of their heads. And then in the background, you see Jane and Thor and they had, they've just only known each other for a couple of issues. And Janet says something along the lines of like, do you think they, and then like it's cut off by Hank saying, Oh help, like absolutely (laughs) helplessly. Um, That sums up the book like so much for me. The Thor in this series is particularly sweet and also naive to a degree that you can sense danger and he can't. So like you Mm -hmm. can see Loki do up to his shenanigans and Thor's just like, oh, my brother must have gotten that mixed up. Or, oh, my brother must have overdid that. Or, <laughs> and then the the very last chapter is a, a crossover with Captain America. And Loki is there and he's absolutely doing his shenanigans. And Thor, he's just like, hey, don't get into danger. Where are you going? <laughs> mm-hmm. And he just feels for his brother. He's like, he yeah. knows his brother is trouble. He knows he causes messes and stuff but he's his brother and it's got that really warm feeling to it if i ever need a warm hug i would just reread issue was it six where he takes her out and yes the hendal issue and and they kiss and everything and i'm like yes this is i i never knew comics could make me feel that deeply like that but they they definitely do that with like just simple words. And it's like, ah. Uh. Well, the scene that got me was when, when Heimdall pretty much tells him like, you can return to Asgard and like, um, but if you do that, like I'm going to have to. Yeah. Cause he's like, I'll throw your hammer far, far away. If you, if you break the rules. And then he was just like, that's fine. Like I'll, I'll spend my rest of my life finding it. Like, it's not a big deal. Like I'll do it. And he's like, fine. Then I'll throw Jane far, far away. Yeah. And, and he's that's like, well, where- and it's like, well, okay. To another universe. He says, was it? Uh, the universe then there would be an unimaginable number of worlds out there suppose I were to send Jane Foster to one of those would you find her then Thor would you still attempt to cross the bridge and risk losing her forever and it's like yeah it's it's basically holding everything over his head it's like do you really want to do this and then like you get that like amazing scene when they're or when, when Thor uses his hammer to chisel a like monument to Jane in the ice and it's just like this is a too much, but I love it. I love all of it. I'm eating all of it up. It, it it's it's over the top and just absolutely like when Jane asks him about Asgard 
And he's just like, it's so wonderful. And it's not just his expression saying, it's wonderful. His cape billows out. And you see an entire image mm -hmm. of Asgard as he sees it as this golden yeah. And it's like, yeah, that's how you tell a story with comics. Thank I'm you so much for bringing this book to us. I'm so glad you can enjoy it. It's it's because I've never read it. Yes, it's I I got to reread it as a result, and I've been like super busy because it's like double ship coming up and stuff. But getting to sit down and like read this is like, oh yeah, I do love comics. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you still do. Yeah, and we get to see your lettering more because I think the day that you leave comics will be the sad day. So don't yeah. ever do it. Yeah, I don't It'll plan be a very to. dark day. No, Good. I didn't plan to. In fact, uh, it's definitely going to be my long-term thing. What do you have coming up and where can people find more about you? You can find me on Twitter at commentary, C-O-M-M-E-N-T-A-I-R-Y, commentary basically. Uh, I'm on Twitter there. Um, people can DM me. I also have links to my portfolio there and that also has um, a contact form to reach me too. So those are the ways to reach me. I'm not on any other social media. So that's, that's the way to do it. Um, and yeah, if anyone ever has questions about lettering or wants to learn to become a letterer and have questions about that, you know, I always help tutor people if they need it. Thank you so much for joining us. This was a blast. Um, and can't wait to see what you got coming up next. Thanks. Big thanks once again to Ariana for coming on and talking to us about lettering. It's I I hope the conversation was uh, insightful for everyone. It's a, a something we don't shine enough light on uh, in the <laughs> comics community. But thankfully, all month long over on Marvel.com, we've been there have been great articles and spotlights on letterers aplenty. I highly suggest you go check them out. See all the amazing work that our incredible letterers do and, and to get a sense of like how really deeply important good lettering is to a comic book. Cause think about it. If the lettering was bad and it wasn't centered in the balloons and if it was all messed up, if it was, there were all like, if it looked bad, they chose a bad font, you would notice it or, and you would be like, Whoa, yeah. what is going on here? Or if it didn't exist, you there would, it would be very hard to read that comic. But for us right now, that is a wrap. This episode of Marvel's Pull List was produced by Ryan Panagos, Jasmine Estrada, and Cara McGurk-Allison. Jill Duboff is our director of audio. And Brad Barton is Marvel's Pull List senior manager of audio production and development. And you know what? I'm going to blame Brad for Thor the Mighty Avenger not going past eight issues. It's your fault, Brad. Damn it, Brad. Damn it, Brad. Could you imagine if we still had this book? It'd be wait, Life would be so much better. Oh, yeah. I know. Anyway, I'm Ryan. I'm Jasmine. This is Marvel. Your universe.